right, I'm going to start to stand up so I can get my blood flowing. Bow, bow, bow. All right, I'm ready. Oh, we got bow, bow. everyone thanks for joining the pinche millennial podcast pinche participation i'm amanda miguel and i'm nico Choa. we're two latino millennials sharing our fresh relevant perspective on civics and political participation participation in the u.s today today's episode is a continuation of last week's material where we talked about how to discuss politics with families and today we're exploring more in depth how to recognize unhealthy unproductive conversations and environments and how to disengage or de-escalate or remove yourself from potentially harmful, hurtful conversations. Yeah, and today we have our good and trusted friend, Lindsay Rojas, a licensed clinical social worker and psychotherapist. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Nick. Thank you for Thank having you. me back on the podcast. I'm happy here to talk about mental health. Absolutely. Yes. And just so folks know, um, Lindsay is now in private practice in Denver, Colorado, and offers teletherapy across state lines. So I have actually been referring her to friends across everywhere, uh, because right now is like a critical time and these services are readily available. And I just wanted to offer up a woman of color, small business owner <laughs> um, in this space. So um, with that, yeah, you know, Nick and I, Lindsay, thank you again for joining us. You know, it was super helpful to have you come and join us months ago when I was like, um, like I felt like my I was just cracking at the seams. I was like, I'm not sure how I'm dealing. So let me just have an open conversation. So thank you for joining us again as we, right, as Nick described from our last week's um, conversation, it's the holiday season. We're talking to families more and more. Some folks are, you know, Coming over homes, as of right now, me and Nick have kind of just been doing the Zoom thing. Um, but these conversations around political affiliations, just all these feelings from the just the recent November elections, we just felt it was a, probably a good time to offer up these, I don't know what you say, just strategies for when it's not conducive to good conversation. Um, so thank you again for joining us. And um, yeah, let's go ahead and get started. So I think, you know, with where we are right now, like with, you know, the holidays are always difficult in some way um, with COVID going on, like with you know, the election, with things still happening with that, um, there is a lot of potential for just kind of this ickiness to come up apart mm. from actual productive conversation. So I'm happy to talk about ways of maybe recognizing when a conversation mm. isn't going to be healthy or productive in ways that we can protect ourselves um, so that we don't walk away feeling just completely defeated. Absolutely. Yeah. These are, these are important uh, strategies and tips to think about, to have on your mind. Um, as we've talked, Amanda and I have shared before, one way to help our politics and our country and our neighbors and our communities learn from each other and understand better is to have these difficult conversations and share our perspectives. And, but I mean that it takes two to tango, right? Um, mm -hmm. So if you're engaging with someone who wants to learn more and you guys are on the same level of respect and openness and curiosity and understanding, that's great. But that's not that, you know, that's an ideal that may not always happen. Lindsay, can you share with us, like, how can you identify if say I, I'm engaging with someone in, in a conversation that we want to talk politics and get to know get to understand each other better. What are things that can help me recognize if the other person is not coming to the conversation in good faith? How can I 
spot that in the mid course of a conversation. Yeah. So like, how can you identify what's, what's going on? Like, is this person really trying to have a conversation right. with me? Are they open to having just a dialogue and having feedback? Um, or if I don't agree with them, are they just going to blow up and cut me out? Um, or are they just trying to like troll me? Am I being gaslit? Um, so I would say the two biggest things that go into um, identifying what the dynamic of a conversation would be are just one, that self-awareness of how am I feeling with this? Does this feel okay? Do I feel like I'm getting something out of this? Does this feel really icky? Um, and your boundaries. So once you have that self-awareness developed enough, knowing like maybe I'm just not going to talk about these things with these people or like these aren't the people that I discuss politics with or right now they're not in a headspace where it's going to be a productive conversation. Um, and if you're not able to, you know, physically remove yourself from a situation, like you're in the same room, um, you know, how can you distract yourself? How can you maybe change the topic? Um, you know, how can you make it so that you are psychologically safe um, in an environment that's, that's trying to shake you? Um, so I brought up gaslighting, and I know that is kind of one of the big buzzwords of 2020. And people sometimes, you know, throw it around along with like narcissist, um, imposter syndrome, all these things. So um, gaslighting definitely happens. And I, I want to validate that for people who feel like that's been their experience. Um, I also want to offer just maybe some background on, on why it's called gaslighting, like what it really is. Mm. Um, so gaslighting is a psychological manipulation and quite frankly, abuse tactic. Um, and it aims at getting either an individual or a group of individuals to question their perspective, question um, their reality instead of um, facing like the facts. So if someone doesn't agree with you, instead of saying, I don't agree with you, they'll be like, that never happened. And if it did happen, you're not remembering it correctly. And if you're remembering it correctly, you're overreacting. And if you're overreacting, it's because you overreact to mm -hmm. everything. And so it causes this individual or whoever it's being done to, to really just question like, maybe I am overreacting or like, maybe this mm -hmm. isn't a big deal or maybe that actually didn't happen. Or maybe they were only, you know, mean and terrible and awful to me because I triggered them. Like it just gets you in this um, power differential where the other person really gets to control the dialogue and you don't mm -hmm. have a say. Um, and it's, it's unfortunate when it happens because typically people don't realize that it's happening in the moment. Um, it'll come kind of with knowledge down the road. Uh, but the, after effects like the, you know, the, the side effects of gaslighting, um, people probably are familiar with, even if they haven't been able to identify that it's a situation where they have been gaslit. Um, so typically people, you know, will just start apologizing without really knowing what's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I must have done something wrong for this person to get this upset with me, even though I didn't really say anything that, you know, um, that big. Right. And just questioning yourself and you're like, well, I did this wrong. So maybe everything I, I do do is wrong. And maybe all the things that this person said about me, like, are actually true, even if I don't really agree with them. And even if the evidence from other people in my life wouldn't agree with them. Um, with gaslighting, everything will always be your fault. <laughs> and, it's, um, and this is wild, too, right? Because when you I mean, you point out that gaslighting, you know, we see in the media, based off of the president and just like other media outlets and folks just downplaying these horrible things. That's a different piece, I think, to this larger conversation. But even with our family members, I think 
I was like, how do I even ask this question to Lindsay? Because I was like, is it abusive? You know, I was like, what if I'm talking to family members and I want to, you know, automatically apologize because I love them? And I was like, God, then we start getting into where do you, are we are we enabling yeah. this, this pattern? I mean, there's definitely something to be said of like, what's more important to you, like getting your point across or like maintaining the relationship. Yes. Um, and in some cases, you know, it's I'm going to you know fall on the sword and I'm going to apologize even if it's you know, not truly what I feel is my fault because I'm not too proud to do that. But there are other times where when that is consistently the story of like, I always have to be the one to apologize and this person is never wrong. And I just mm. walk away feeling ashamed and just questioning. Um, I think that's definitely like the gas lady part of it. Also um, with just like recognizing things that like, you're like, this is not healthy or like, this is, you know, possibly abusive. Like sometimes people do it without even really knowing they're doing it because mm-hmm. um, you know, these were, coping skills and just behaviors that were maybe passed down to them um, from other family members, um, just from mm-hmm. different generations. So I think there's something to be said for when you are the one, you know, kind of breaking this like historical trauma and the way that your family maybe communicates in a dysfunctional manner, you will feel pushback. You will feel the guilt from yourself. Um, but you don't have to sit there and call it out. You don't have to be like, you're abusing me. You're gaslighting me. Like that's probably not, you know, a great, right. I was a like, great way to have a conversation. Also, is this person going to be like, you know what? Actually, I am. Thanks for calling me out. Like that right. would be ideal. I'm an abuser. Like, Thank you for telling me. <laughs> but so yeah. typically that's not that recognition. You're not going to get that external validation right. from them. You have to get to a point where it's in yourself where you're mm-hmm. like, and I'm being gaslit right now. Um, I have a choice in how I choose to respond. I can either play into this. I can try to blow it up or I can just shut it down with myself and, you know, change the topic, walk away, put up my, my mental boundaries of whatever this person says to me, like is, is not an accurate portrayal of who I am and what I know to be true. And let me repeat it back just so I can make sure maybe I'll like type this up and put it on the screen while we're talking. But the first step right now, just in the conversation, you are identifying if you're being gaslit, which we just translated as just a form of psychological abuse and just mm-hmm. recognizing, okay, this seems like this person is not going to listen to me. And I have totally. two options. I either can um, just say, okay, I'm going to disengage. So I've recognized it. I've internalized it. And I'm like, okay, these are my, my paths of action. I'm going to either shut it down and just change the subject because this conversation is not going to lead that way. Or what was my second option of doing if I did want to try to engage? Or is this just the all out moving on? Um, I mean, if you if you play into it and you just kind of know for yourself, I like, see, this I see. person is gaslighting me. Got like it. For some reason, I have to have this conversation. Maybe it's like a, a an issue of time. Like, I know sometimes, you know, when I'm in session, um, I've noticed I'm like, okay, I have X amount of time mm-hmm. <laughs> that's left in the session and they want to talk about this. I'm not just going to say, I'm not going to talk about that with you. I'm going to, you know, maybe explore what's underneath that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just sometimes there are conversations that we cannot distance ourselves from. Right. Um, there's people that we can't distance ourselves from. Um, mm-hmm. A ton of what's, you know, going around is just like calling people toxic and like, oh, you should just cut off toxic people. And even if they're your family members, like going complete no contact that's not always realistic for people, um, especially within like a cultural context, like mm. the fallout of cutting off a family member, um, you know, might be more than what someone is is able to handle mm-hmm. or, or willing to handle. Um, and so not shaming people for, you know, not just 
viewing people in black and white and you're either healthier in my life or you're unhealthy and I'm going to cut you off. Like if that is something that you feel is for your, your best mental health and it's something that, that you're comfortable with, then by all means, if you're going to, you know, cut people off, then that is the right decision for you. Um, But if you are, you know, not there, um, just remembering that people are not black and white. Like they are not just all good or all bad. Like even, you know, if we look at any of the relationship dynamics we have with like um, friends, family, romantic partners, coworkers, like there are things that people will do that will annoy you, that will upset you. And there's times that you have happy memories with them. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe like in the context of, of when you're gaslit, just knowing like you can hold um, kind of almost contradicting beliefs. Like it can be, you know, I care about this person. I love them, but I, I don't, care for them when they do this or I don't like that they do this or this person loves and supports me but I don't feel like they love and support me in this area mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's challenge that's definitely a challenge I mean it's for sure it's it's one thing if you're pre-pandemic you know if you're walking out in the street and somebody like a guy yells at you in the road and is cussing you out you you like you can if you can go down a different street and you leave that stranger behind and you never have to deal with that person again, right? Mm-hmm. That's you just cut that guy out of your life and vaya con Dios, you'll never see him, mm-hmm. hopefully. Um, but it is different when it is your relationships and it's your family, um, especially during this pandemic where maybe people are living in tight quarters and you're not going out, you're not going to work, you're not leaving the house, you're just around each other all the time. Um, but if you like encounter, you know, like your, your crazy racist uncle in a Zoom family chat. Crazy racist uncle, it's a Zoom family chat. You don't want to make a scene. You don't want to just hop off the Zoom and then everyone is going to be like, what's wrong with you? And we're going to have, you know, just those family dynamics playing out of like the guilt, whether it's from, you know, your, your uncle or it's from maybe your aunt or your cousins of like, you know, you were in the holidays and like you made a big deal out of this. Which to be fair... I think maybe a valid reaction if someone's like oh, being totally coming at you sideways on a family zoom. And if you, someone like, is coming at you sideways and you're like, you know what? I just don't want to deal with this right now. And like, I don't like me not dealing with this right now is, is more important than like the fallout. I'll deal with that later than like, that is like, we support that. We valid, empower yeah. you to do whatever is going to feel, um, make you feel safe and, mm-hmm. and protected and, and like you're in a, a good place because I the last thing I would ever want to do is to enable or like encourage people well, like here's a gaslighting situation and you just have to deal with it and go into it um, right so like, that's, that's the one option either right. yeah that's that's the one option you can leave the leave the chat right mm-hmm. um and what are the ways that you can leave the chat like in this example you know it's a zoom call but like if you're in real life with someone how can you leave the chat can you physically distance yourself can you say something else is coming up. Like you don't always have to be honest with people. (laughs) This is what I tell my clients. I'm like, you don't have to say, you know, actually you're triggering me right now and you're invalidating all Mm -hmm. my existence and all the work that I've made in in therapy. And I just, all my progress is out the window. So I need to cut you off. No, it can be, uh, you know, actually I have this thing I forgot about and I have to go do that thing or, Oh, you know, good to see you, but like, I have to go or just, you know, how do you dissociate or mentally shut down? Like if you are not in a place where you can steer this conversation um, because this person is so determined 
to mm. try to gaslight you or to, you know, get their point apart across and they're very rigid and they, they aren't open to any feedback, like just kind of gray rocking them and saying like, okay, sure. Like very basic, minimal answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if it's like, well, if this happens and this is going to happen and just kind of like those scare tactics, just being level-headed and being like, you'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It's going to be okay. Nice. Um, that's a good way to, to de-escalate. Um, how to de-escalate. And here's the thing when with de-escalating people, typically the more escalated they are and, and the calmer you are, your calm is, is going to escalate them a little bit more. Like it's like, you know, changing a behavior. It gets yeah. worse before it gets better. Yeah. Um, so ultimately, like we need to remain as, as calm and as centered and as grounded as we possibly can in the moment. Um, and whether that encourages the other person to also calm down and not be so escalated um like that would be ideal you know if they saw you and they mirror like we're humans um Mm -hmm. social interaction we learn from each other if they see like i'm gonna read the room like this person is not as angry as i am so maybe i should start to match their energy their vibe Um, oh my gosh i do or often you know they're gonna be like well you're not i how do you not care about this and you can you can voice validation without having to meet that emotional intensity you can say, you know, I hear this is really important for you. I think it's going to be okay. Um, yeah. You know, I hear this is important for you. I appreciate you sharing your sentiments with me, even if you don't. <laughs> I think of when you said mirroring, I was like, I often, this is wild, but my my dad just was very um, loud growing up. Like he just, in order to be heard, he just got louder. Um, and mm-hmm. my, it might be because we were three girls and we were loud ourselves and just boisterous and he was probably matching us. But as yeah. I got older, I was like, I, I recognized, I was like, Hey dad, you're, you're, you're kind of shouting a little bit. I was like, I can hear you perfectly fine. Let's let's. Mm-hmm. And I would lower my voice and it would kind of bring him down, which is something super small. It wasn't political. It was just, I think just something that he was used to doing. And I was like, Whoa, I'm like, this isn't, you know, we don't, we don't have to exhibit that. And then I thought secondly, when, um, uh, when I was a teacher, just like lowering your voice, being really calm while you teach it forces the students to like and I, I taught middle schoolers they were like they would have to quiet down or else they couldn't hear me so it was it was like this interesting thing where I was like I could see it in real time how that was um and you know these all exist in different practices but that was one way to kind of calm down this the, the students and everyone and in conversation I I can absolutely recognize where someone can get peeved at the fact that you're trying to calm them down but then slowly but surely they're that that is not that is their stuff that is not your battle like can you imagine like well I'm really mad because I'm mad but I'm also mad because you're not getting mad and angry at me like I'm you know yelling cursing you out and you're not mirroring that back to me like that's like a Mm -hmm. that's what you're mad about Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, this is bringing to mind a woman who trains on diversity and inclusion and having difficult conversations like this. And she said, like, she's a, she's a woman of color and she was describing an instance where she was on the receiving end of a client's sexism and racism. Like real time, the client was being all those things to this woman. And she like describes the whole experience and how she has practiced what she calls scripting. Mm -hmm. Like when someone gives you some garbage treatment, if you practice ahead of time, a way to deescalate or a way to shift the conversation or shut it down or whatever you may need, if you can practice that ahead of time and think about, you know, like, all right, 
if you have a family member who's going to go off the deep end anytime they see you and is going to start giving you crazy talk, like, you know, that ahead of time and you're going to, you know, engage you with that time person. To prepare. Like, it's, and I, I hear that because it's, especially if you have time to prepare, make a plan, practice these skills when you're not in this like heightened sense of anxiety or emotional distress, or you're feeling triggered. Um, like if you practice it in a neutral setting, then it's much easier for you to call on it when that happens. Like, oh my gosh, it's the holidays. And like my racist uncle's going off on me. My whole family's here. Like, do I get off? Do I stay on? Like, what, what am I saying if I stay on? What am I saying if I get off? Like being able to say, got a script. I've practiced said script. Um, I'm good at said script when I'm calm. And so it's something that is, you know, in my muscle memory that I can call on when I'm, you know, feeling this like heightened state of uh, just emotional um, awareness or emotional dysregulation. And I mean, it's the same thing with um, the whole thing in mindfulness with uh, DBT and um, just, you know, when they say breathing and use your breath and you're like, why am I going to breathe and use my breath? I can't even think straight right now. If you do those things when you are practiced, you are calm, you are relaxed, or you are less activated than when you are triggered or in that high stress situation, um, those coping skills are going to be more easily readily called upon and um, more effective for you because it's not like, oh, well, I have this association that I only use this thing and practice it when I'm really anxious and then it doesn't work. And so I'm trying to do this thing and it doesn't work. And why am I even doing it? No, all that out the window because you got it. You're calm. You're centered. You're like, I know what I need to do. Um, you know, I got, I got some feelings about, it. I'm going to acknowledge that I'm feeling upset or disappointed or whatever we need to feel in that moment. Um, and you just know, here's my, here's my game plan. Like, here's my flow chart. If they do this, I do this. If they do this, I do this. Mm. So you're saying, I mean, for, and for all of our listeners, right, it's you, this takes a lot of work, right? <laughs> this takes oh, a lot this of totally takes a lot of work. This is not just a one and done type thing. I, I encourage or is it easy? people, my clients right. um, to practice. And, you know, it's like even, you know, setting boundaries when you're someone who historically has not set boundaries, or maybe you come from a family where uh, they weren't modeled to you or healthy boundaries right. weren't modeled. Um, it feels clunky. And when you haven't done it, sometimes mm -hmm. if you get pushed to that breaking point, like when you finally do, it can come out feeling really just like intense and harsh. Um, yeah. So, you know, the more you practice those things, even just like with yourself, mm. um, they are, they, they work better in the, in the long run. Absolutely. So we do just want to take a quick break and um, act on our mission at Pinche Millennial and Pinche Participation to boost and celebrate and support small businesses and specifically owned by women and women of color. So we're excited to share with you all today a really cool uh, business uh, for you to look into and support if you're on the hunt for gifts for yourself or people in your life. Yeah, and this week we are showing off the LA Garden. I bought this many years ago at a small business fair, and it is a pinche nopal in la frente. And for folks who don't know, it's really fun to have this on your head and really proud to be like, I'm brown, I'm here, I'm loud, um, and I really love this hat. This is actually, she has new beanies and um, hoodies available for sale for this holiday season. So check her stuff out. She's at uh, thelagarden.com and she has tons of accessories, apparel, 
pottery and plants uh, for all those folks that are looking to bring in some greenery into their homes. That's Snape, the snake plant in my house. Um, so lots of things that she offers at her store online. Uh, and yeah, check her stuff out. The LA Garden uh, founder is Diana Martinez, and we're glad to support her and her women of color small business. Yeah, the cacti are really cute. The succulents, the little pots that she sells are neat. Um, and for our listeners who are not familiar with the cactus, why is that a thing? Um, it's a yeah. phrase in Spanish, con el nopal enfrente. And it's used kind of as a pejorative to like, <laughs> oh gosh, you're so Mexican, you have a cactus on your forehead. Yeah. Um, but some Mexican and Chicano communities have like taken it on as a source of pride. We're not embarrassed by our Latinidad or our Mexican heritage or Chicano culture. We're wearing it on our foreheads to yeah. be proud and I think it's a really great hat. I kind of want one myself too. I know. It goes hand in hand with us calling ourselves Pinche Millennials. So if that's your vibe, then this is definitely your vibe. And I know, um, so we jumped, jumped right in for our listeners to kind of like what to do when you already know, right? You've already identified in your family, this is a problem. Like this is a problematic family member, but they're still very close. It could be a sibling. And I, and I have like many, you know, I was sure in the last podcast, many examples of close family members, not just like your uncle, but your mm-hmm. mom, a dad, a brother, a sister, very, very close. And when I think of how, um, you know, just for me, I was like, I'm very protective of my family. Like um, throughout this whole thing, throughout the pandemic, I'm like, I'm just super thankful my immediate family didn't get COVID. Like there is just like this carnal, innate thing. Like this is your, 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 what is it called? Your, what is like a bunch of lions together? Your pack. My pack. Or those are yeah, dogs, right? Oh my god. Pack of lo- <laughs> a pride, no, pride of lions. Pride, it's pack pride. of dogs. My pride, my lions, my you know, all of us. It's like don't you know? Anyways, it's 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 weird. Anyways, for me, I think it's just crazy how these relationships are, how deep they are. But in in Nick, you know, for the when we talk about politics and what we covered in the last episode, it's like our experiences even in that close pride or your close pack of family it's so different we each live through the our own ex, you know i don't even know our own experiences now i'm just generalizing but it's like you know, know what i'm saying yeah i was actually um reading recently prepping for this material in the podcast um about a family um the, the it was a, a, a pair of siblings, a brother and a sister. The brother is a therapist mm-hmm. and he's very liberal. And his sister is very like neoconservative right wing. And, and they came like, from I, the same household. They yeah. <laughs> and this, this is part wow. of what, what he shared. He said something like, um, I, as much as I struggle communicating with her and she, you know, has the same difficulties the other way. Um, I have to remember that she has lived totally different, a life separate and apart from my own experiences, even though we have, you know, the same, some shared history, the same family, whatever. And he was, his point was as, as hurt or frustrated or confused as I might be, it would be a service to me and my sister's relationship. If I can try to remember she Mm. has lived a different life Mm. And that has informed her perspective in so many different ways. I may not know what experiences have brought her to these thinkings, but I need to understand that that 
changes each of us. And he was, he was going along the lines of like, try to foster understanding with the people in your life. Mm. Um, and which is difficult because like we can agree to disagree on my favorite color is blue and yours is purple. That's, but it's there, difficult. There's like no life or death consequences associated with right. that affiliation. Yeah, right. That's, that's subjective. And that's like, there's no moral anything in a favorite mm-hmm. color. Right. Um, but if it's, do we agree to disagree on whether black lives matter or women should have rights? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. that's, that's a very difficult Nick, thing I think that's such a powerful example. Um, like, you know, even how you just said of just this effort to, you know, try to remember to see the humanity and people and others. And it's really hard. It's so difficult. Um, and that takes even just a, a really big level of self-awareness to be like, this person believes these things, they have their own experiences, their own perspectives that have led them to believe this. Um, And, you know, the stuff that they believe uh, oppresses me or, you know, hurts me or will take away, you know, some of my rights. Um, And that is just such a fine line to, you know, just kind of straddle because on one level it's like, oh, well, this is, you know, someone who's important to you, you should respect. But it's like you said, no, like with these things that have life or death consequences associated with them. It, it makes it even more emotional. It makes us, Oh, we're going to, you know, talk and I have to educate and I have to get this person to understand. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes the biggest thing is understanding within yourself, like what are the goals that I have for this conversation? Mm -hmm. Like, do I want to talk to this person and just say that I tried to get my point across and that's going to feel good to me? Um, You know, if you have this goal, if I'm going to, put this on someone else and they're going to be open and receptive to it. And it's going to go, you know, like butterflies and rainbows. And then it doesn't like you are setting yourself up for just this, like this failure, this perceived failure um, and this invalidation. Um, so the ideal point that we want to be at is however you decide to approach a conversation um, with someone that, you know, that doesn't agree with you, just being able to be okay with whatever outcome it is. And I don't say be okay, like, oh, I agree with this outcome. No, I mean, okay, where you are at a place that you can emotionally regulate and you don't just crumple to pieces after every time, um, you know, like this person agrees with me. Great. Cool. Glad they don't agree with me. Like, okay. Like this stuff. That's on them. And you that's know, it's on them, not great, but it's not I great, continue with my life, but right? I will continue with my life. Am I going to change this person's perspective with one conversation? No, like we chip away at the block through time. You know, maybe over time it's mm. like, oh, well, you know, Nick keeps bringing this up or Amanda keeps bringing this up mm. or Lindsay keeps bringing this up. So maybe it's actually important to them and I'm missing the point. Um, but, you know, if we assume that others are going to be as open as um, as we are coming into mm. a dialogue, like just set those expectations. Um, like the, the healthiest place that you can be at is when you are so secure in who you are and how you feel that whoever agrees or doesn't disagree with you doesn't sway that like, Oh, you agree with me? Like, cool. Added bonus, but I didn't need it in order to feel okay about what I was feeling. You don't agree with me. Like, okay. Like that's you. Like, it's not going to ruin my day. Like I'm just going to stay secure. And like, you know, we're at different levels of, you know, maybe I don't want to say enlightenment, but just uh, understanding uh, different stages on your journey, different stages on your journey. Beautifully yeah. put. Yeah. I think of, um, I was trying to think of uh, 
what to envision as yourself. So earlier in this uh, podcast, we uh, did some breathing exercises <laughs> and just to center ourselves, just, I mean, we're all good friends too, but you know, we know the importance of this conversation just to make sure you all who are listening um, are receiving it as well. And for me, that helps me when I to either imagine myself as a tree, I'm like, I'm rooted. I have a strong foundation. I've been watering and taking care of myself. And I'm also growing. I'm also growing. I can move with the wind. I can be, um, I forgot what the word is, but I can be, you know, pushed and shoved, but I am still absolutely rooted in what I am trying to grow and become. So I use that as kind of um, something that kind of helped me through, I don't know, sometimes you need, you need a, Think of yourself as like an animal or a, a tree or a rock or I don't, you know, whatever yeah. works for people. But I know a tree has always been very calming to me. And mm-hmm. um, I'm a tree hugger. I don't know about you guys, but I've had like this weird thing ever since I was really little. I was like, I'm going to hug this tree. It just makes me feel so good. So maybe maybe there's maybe my spirit energy just really responds to nature. But I think that's really helpful to have something in your mind to kind of. Uh, keep you focused on what either goals that you have set up or expectations and how you are going to, how you're going to see yourself after the conversation. You're still going to see yourself strong. You're still going to still, still see yourself standing and, you know, like know. the outcome of the conversation does not change the fact yes. that you are a tree. You are not now, you know, like a sapling or like, you know, mm. piece of wheat just like flying in the wind. <laughs> like yeah. a tumbleweed. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, no, <laughs> like you said, just having those expectations and like, mm. however this goes, like I still know who I am, mm-hmm. what is, what is true to me, my experience. And this person is not going to take that away from me. Like whether or not they, validate me like I'm gonna always validate myself or I'm Mm. gonna know the people in my life who are my core group who I can go to for validation when I'm struggling with something just to know um like you know I have a I have a good understanding on this like I remember this correctly so you don't just walk into a situation where you are being gaslit um I want to talk a little bit more about gaslighting because I kind of we jumped around yeah please so the reason that it's called gaslighting. I meant to say this. The reason that gaslighting is called gaslighting is because it is the title um, of a British play from the 1930s mm-hmm. in which this husband tries to make his wife feel like she, you know, is crazy and that she doesn't remember anything um, and that her perception is just skewed. So he does this um, by slowly dimming the gaslights um, along the play um, while pretending that nothing has changed. So she's like, you know, I smell gas, like everything's weird, something's up. And he's like, I don't, I don't. So maybe something's wrong with you. Um, And so that's really just the setup for gaslighting of if you're like, well, this is important and I'm upset. And uh, like, why can't you see it this way? Or just anything, or you did this trying to hold someone accountable. They'll be like, I never did that. Like, I don't, I, I, maybe you need to go get your memory checked or like, that's not how it happened. Or if that's how it happened, that's not how I meant for it to happen. And you just overreact. Um, and the other thing that happens with gaslighting is, you know, there's this kind of like this, uh, paired association. So it's like someone will gaslight you and then they will try to tell you who they think you are. Like, just like, mm. you know, character attacks, like, oh, well, you're overdramatic or, you know, you're too sensitive mm-hmm. or, you know, like whatever all these things are. And the minute that you say, no, I'm not, you're in their trap. Like the minute Mm -hmm. that if anyone projects anything onto you, that it's just wildly outlandish, you think like I need to defend myself. um, You don't. 
Mm. And like, you can defend yourself with just knowing like, I'm none of those things. This is wild. This is crazy. And if you want to say that, go ahead. Um, Mm. But the minute that you say, well, I'm not being overdramatic. This is just super important. Or like, I'm not being sensitive. You really hurt my feelings. Like they have caught you in that kind of just communication pattern and the dynamic of, I can say anything to this person and it'll stick. But like, if you try to turn that back on them, like they would never accept it, even if it is the tiniest bit true. What's coming to mind for me here as you're describing this, Lindsay, is the all too common, unfortunately popular phrase of, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yep, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, It should really be, I'm sorry that I made you or my actions made you feel this way. So if I said something that hurt Lindsay and Lindsay Mm -hmm. says, you know, Nick, you said X and that hurt me, Mm -hmm. then the abusive, like, Tactic. An abusive tactic would be like, oh, Lindsay, I'm sorry you're so sensitive. I'm sorry you feel that way. But even listen to the tone in your voice. Like, it's that sounds so crazy. Snarky. It's like, that's, that's not like, sorry. You right? don't even, like, there's no, like, I know you to be a loving and genuine person. And, like, in that tone of voice, like, that doesn't come across. It's not like, oh, wow, you know, I'm sorry. I, that was not my intention. That doesn't make it okay. I'm just, like, I understand. I apologize for hurting you. I apologize for hurting you. That was not my intention. But, like, how can we, how can we move forward from this? Not just as well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry that you're overreacting. I'm sorry that you had this, you know, just overflow emotions in response to something that I may or may not have done, but like the blame, the accountability is like on you. Like I will not take any of it. Yeah. And that's the twisted psychological manipulation. That's that's part of gaslighting, right? Mm -hmm. Which is messed up. And so, you know, the minute someone gives me that, I'm sorry you feel that way line. I'm like, I'm sorry I talked to you. That <laughs> I gotta go. To me, that's like this person's not willing to no. recognize what they're doing or to there's take that, accountability. There's, the there's that red flag and that will so, tell you all that you need to know. For me, mm-hmm. that's a red flag. And I'm like, okay, this person gave me that non-apology yep. that they think is an apology. Okay, I know, I know more about them and their mm-hmm. tactics and I'm just going to engage with them differently or not engage at all. At all. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't mess with you anymore. Yep. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Or like, you know, emotionally distancing yourself. Like maybe this is someone that you still communicate with. Maybe this is someone that you still live with. Maybe you're in a relationship mm. with them. Just, you know, you, you get to choose how you do or do not interact with people. That's all part of your boundaries. Um, you know, if this is someone that, oh, I have to talk to them because we're in the same room, like, guess what? We're talking about the weather now, and I'm not going to talk about anything else mm. more consequential than the weather because you have shown me that if I'm vulnerable with you, that will be used against me. And like, I don't want to set myself up for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult trying to parse through these boundaries and identifying these behaviors in especially people you love. Like I said earlier, if it's the guy, you know, just a random guy on the street, whatever, a los leones con él, mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Yeah. Like I'm probably never going to see him again. Like there are no, you know, there's no consequences of, you know, if you tell him off or anything that happens, like he's just Hello, a random Twitter. person. He's not a <laughs> consequential person in your story. And it, it makes it so much harder when it is someone who is close to you. Um, yeah. It is someone that, you know, you do have like a, a deep rooted relationship with um, and it causes you just to revisit, you know, do I still want to be close to this person? Do I still want to interact with them? How can I interact with them? in a way where I I walk away, you know, feeling relatively unscathed and not just, you know, questioning and doubting myself. And that's the thing that I've always found like the most just bizarre about gaslighting is like, 
how is someone going to tell you about your experience when you are the expert on you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how is someone going to make you question like how you remember something? And this right. isn't, you know, years ago, this can be like, Oh, we had this conversation earlier this morning. And it's like, Nope. Like I was, uh, you know, wasn't under the influence of any substances. I was in sound mind. Like I was fully oriented to time, place and person. And now you're going to tell me that I am not remembering this correctly. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's basura like we're not here for that right no i was like that agency for yourself i mean that's like a i don't know i think of politicians right um at this point in this conversation in the you know saying that this is how it is in this country and it's not <laughs> that that you know there's always like these dialogues like this doesn't exist right this doesn't the only exist. reason that this we're is a problem is because you're making it a bigger problem yes. like you keep talking about race we don't have a race right. problem in this country right and some income inequality, the pop, the mm-hmm. deep poverty is still in our country. I'll, uh, you know, I, let me just get back to my tree. Hold on. <laughs> you're the tree. You I'm are the, the tree. strong, mighty the oak. Tree. You are fully rooted. Yes. And you're, you're growing, blossoming, flourishing. Yes. And go ahead, Nick. I think you have a thought right I'm here. struggling to form a thought here. Because yeah. um, as Amanda's bringing up politicians who engage in these behaviors and abusive yes. tactics, like you can't their actions, their leadership roles have effects on countless lives. Major consequences. So we can't just be like, oh, ignore that guy. He's crazy. Uh Uh-huh. You can ignore him if that's, you can ignore that guy if it helps you, but that's not going to change that that person is still in a position of power making decisions that will negatively impact millions of people potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like, well, crap. We full can't circle, full we circle. Can't dis- we can't just write an angry letter and be like, you're gaslighting the entire country or you're not doing this right. Or, um, you know, is that like maybe going to help us feel better on a personal level? Is that going to do much on a macro level? Like probably not. Um, but, you know, I encourage anyone who wants to write a letter, write your letters. Um, yeah. But that brings it back full circle to Pinchy Millennial and just this, you know, civic engagement and participation. Yes. Like, you know, how do we go about changing these things? We vote. Yes. And, and we organize and we support the activists that do the protests. If you don't want to be out there, I think if there's countless ways that we explore on our um, on our podcast and the channel, everything. And uh, yeah, to your point, Lindsay and Nick, um, yeah, the work doesn't end. And I'm excited for that component. I know this is a conversation about your family, but I was like this, bringing it back to just holistically macro level, we in our families, you know, Lindsay's going to talk to her family. Nick is talking to her, his family. I'm talking to my family. Everyone listening, you're talking to your family. Um, you know, this this is the groundswell support you still need. You still need to. No, I'm not going to say you don't. You don't need to no change hearts. Yeah, no person is an island. No right? person like, is an island. All of us, we're we're. You can count on us to 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 do this work with you. Um, that we're struggling with you, and some you know it's really painful sometimes. I was actually really sad during part of these pieces of the conversation because you, you mourn you mourn the loss of how this has affected us so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. And then I also think of the astrology and the stars and this movement and the great conjunction and pieces. Yeah, like don't that. try to have any of these conversations you know when mercury is in retrograde like the communication gets all messed up and people Makes, are just miscommunicating yep. right so when mercury's in retrograde just no talking just, just no talking whatsoever. Just no communication. no talking no major financial decisions right. quit your you know, job just so you don't sit still mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. it's yeah these are these are difficult conversations and 
I have, since I like, I left home when I was 18 years old, right? And moved to different states and have not lived home for many years. Um, So I've been constantly living in environments where the people around me don't, maybe have never interacted, don't know a Mexican person, don't know anyone who's part of a recent immigrant family, don't know anyone who's gay, Mm. don't know anyone who is on welfare Mm. or food stamps. And constantly having to engage with people who have these very negative thoughts about people like me Mm -hmm. has been challenging. But the kind of one way that I've gone about it is like, I'm just going to bring myself and be as good as I can in every situation. And hopefully that will turn the minds of people who are like, oh, Mexicans aren't crazy people. Like Mm -hmm. I know this one guy, Nick, he was my roommate in college once and he was, hopefully they'll say he was a good dude, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, That's idealistic. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, with that, I don't know if you hear us. I've been having fireworks in our neighborhood. I was like, we got to wrap this up. I think they're going to get louder. I'm not going to lie. Um, but uh, Lindsay, any last minute things to provide for us? I know we went through, you know, the definition of gaslighting, how to identify it coming in with these conversations. You know that you're going to have a toxic person uh, in your family and it might get escalating and just having a plan for set expectations and goals for that one mm-hmm. first conversation, you know, and then each you tackle it at each point. Um, but any last minute things uh, that we can provide to our listeners as they're going back home or seeing family more because of the holidays? Um, anything, anything else? I would just say this is such a stressful time. Sure. Um, and, you know, as Nick even said, this is not easy work. Like this can take, you know, just years of practice. And sometimes you'll find like, wow, I did a really good job, um, you know, setting boundaries, advocating for myself, not engaging with this person. And the next time it's like, and I fell into the trap and now, you know, I'm going to cry about it um, and just like be sad for a while because that's what I need to do. Um, so just know that this is an ongoing process. Like this is something that, that will change your understanding, your ability to call on it. Um, but know who your people are, like know who are the good, you know, as, uh, you know, Rogerian uh, philosophy would say, like, who are your unconditional positive regard people? Like, who can you go to just for that support, that love, that community, um, you know, to run things by of like, I need to vent about this interaction I had, or like, am mm-hmm. I being gaslit? This just happened to me. Cause you're not always going to, you know, be in a place where you can just self-validate yourself. That would be ideal if we could be, but as we said, you know, no one is an island and we're social creatures and we need, mm-hmm. you know, our pack. And sometimes, you know, we will adjust who is in our pack, who is closer to us, um, who are the people that we know that we can rely on and talk about these difficult issues. Um, so just know it's, it's never a bad thing to reach out for support and for help, um, whether that is personally or professionally. And I commend all of you, you know, doing this work. Um, you know, it's something that we are going to continue to have to do and keep planting seeds and hoping that, you know, they will, they will grow and, um, that we can be a better, more healed, unified society. Thank you so much, Lindsay. We're going to go ahead and make sure we link your, you know, private practice, uh, contact information. Cause I know tons of folks are gonna be listening and if they want to reach out to you, I'm sure they can. Um, but outside of that, Nick, anything to sign us off? Wear a mask. Yeah, is my unrelated piece of advocacy. Wear a mask and don't go to parties, please, y'all. We're not getting a handle on this pandemic and changing our behaviors is one way, is the only way to do it. 
So mm. wear a mask. Don't go to parties. Don't be reckless. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Care for and each hang other. In there. Yeah. And hang in there. Again, thank you, Lindsay, for joining us on Beach Millennials Beach Participation Podcast. We will talk to you all, y'all listening next week. Peace out. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you.